We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks. And unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. The 49ers, in what seemed like a miraculous playoff run, came to an end tonight against the Los Angeles Rams in SoFi Stadium, falling 20-17 to and failing in their bid to make it to the Super Bowl. The Rams will move on to face the Cincinnati Bengals, who topped the Chiefs in a real thriller earlier this afternoon. And, man, you, it's hard not to feel for these 49ers. And I just got done watching all of the player press conferences, and obviously this team is heartbroken. Uh, they knew they were a special squad, and it's, it's, just, it's impossible not to wonder what kind of got away from them there because all they had to do was kind of top the Rams one time, which was very doable if you – uh, if you watched that game and saw how it went down, the 49ers definitely had a chance uh, to beat the Rams yet again, um, having been up by 10 late in the game going into the fourth quarter. Um, but it didn't happen, and we'll talk about that. But, you know, the 49ers have already beaten the Bengals, and they beat them in overtime in Cincinnati. And then they get to face the Bengals in Los Angeles uh, at a stadium that they were very familiar with. And so obviously one got away from them there. But you really have to, you know, Keep your eyes forward. Realize what happened this season, how impressive it was, how special it was, and then you just got to move on. I know, I know, I sound like a coach and a player right now, but you know, I, I've really kind of, as, as far as the way I feel about it, you know, I'm, I'm taking kind of a bigger picture approach. And obviously, the 49ers season had to come to an end at some point. And would you have rather that been with the Lombardi Trophy? Of course you would. Of course you would. It would have been a miraculous run for this squad, but. Um, it's hard not to still be impressed and still be positive about what we saw. But getting into the game, um, and this won't be a long podcast. I'm not going to sit here and uh, you know write a eulogy for you. I'm sure you guys don't want to listen to that on a Monday morning. Um, I'll try and be as positive as I can be, but I'm also going to be real just with what I saw. And um, you know, in terms of like most of my game reactions, I'll start on the offensive side of the ball. Um, really one of the things you, you notice right off the bat as this game unfolded is that the 49ers were not able to run the ball 
And that was a clear focus of the Rams defense. And, and we've heard it before. We've, we've said it many times, you know, stop the run, make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you. That was the Rams philosophy uh, going into this game. You could see it. The Rams had poured a ton of their focus in preparation into stopping the run. And they did. The 49ers were only able to run the ball 20 times, which is well short of that 40 rush mark that we feel like the 49ers have to get close to or be in the neighborhood of to win a football game. And they only managed 2.5 yards a carry. Debo Samuel, seven carries, 26 yards for 3.7 yards a pop. That's not going to, that'll barely do it. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, 11 carries, 20 yards, 1.8 yard a pop. You know, that, that just, that ain't going to do it for this 49ers squad. We know that this entire offense runs through the rush game, and the Rams did an excellent job bottling that up the, throughout the entire game. You know, the 49ers on the opposite end, I know I'm kind of touching on defense here, but they were very, very bad against the run in the first half. You know, I think they gave up over four yards of carry and almost 70-something yards going into halftime. Now they really, really buttoned it down in the second half, but you can see the polar opposites there. The Rams – uh, who normally have struggled to run the ball against the 49ers, did a good job of that, whereas the 49ers, uh, it was almost like the Rams were able to institute the 49ers game plan on the 49ers, and that's you know just kind of how that felt. Going into, what was it? Going into the third, through three quarters, Jimmy Garoppolo was, you know what, I tweeted about this. Let me, let me just make sure I got it right. Jimmy Garoppolo, we'll start there. Obviously, I already touched on the run game, but Jimmy Garoppolo threw, um, through three quarters, I tweeted about it. I'm just making sure I've I've got it for you. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo through three quarters was 13 of 21. That's 61%, almost 62%. 202 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and a 125 quarterback rating. Through three quarters, Jimmy Garoppolo was playing extremely well. He was taking care of the football. He was doing what he needed to do to ensure that the 49ers were up by 10 points. He was doing his part. In a game where the Rams were selling out to stomp the run and putting it in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands, he had done pretty well. Unfortunately, you know, looking at these numbers now and, and how that you know translates into the fourth quarter, like I said, at the end of the third quarter, he was 13 of 21. He finished the game 16 of 30, which is 3 of 9 in the fourth quarter. He also threw an interception, and he threw a couple of shoulda, coulda, woulda been interceptions too. Jimmy throws that we saw. Uh, Jalen Ramsey almost had one that that could have been returned for six in a position that would have been the end of the game for the 49ers just a little bit earlier than it actually came. So Jimmy Garoppolo didn't, you know, he was he was solid through three quarters, but in the quarter when it mattered the most, mattered the most, he kind of fell apart. On this uh, this statistical website I have here. So we've got just specifically the fourth quarter stats. Just in the fourth quarter, Jimmy Garoppolo was three of nine for 30 yards and an interception for a 4.2 quarterback rating. That number goes all the way up to, I think, 153. Matthew Stafford, on the other hand, 11 of 14 for 121 yards and a touchdown and a 126.5 quarterback rating. And that'll that'll tell you all, all, all you need to know right there. You know, when you're in the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship game, you need to score points and you need to move the ball if you want to win. And the 49ers could not do that with how Jimmy Garoppolo was playing. But it wasn't all on Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, the offensive line was folding right in front of him. 
Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had to escape pressure, uh, try to make throws on the run, which he just couldn't do. He made some poor throws, throws that should have been intercepted in there in the fourth quarter. And then finally the game ended on an interception where he uh, was immediately pressured, tried to roll out. And then once he was kind of getting tackled, he just kind of flipped the ball forward towards, I believe it was Jermichael Hasty, and it went over his head and uh, or I think Jermichael Hasty might have tipped it a little bit. And then it was intercepted by the Rams defender to seal the game. So, you know, really, there's a lot of things going on there. There's play calling, there's clock management, there's, you know, the offensive line struggling, but it really was a a poor look for Jimmy Garoppolo that I, you know, in that fourth quarter, and he kind of fell apart along with the rest of the offense. And obviously, when you get in that situation, you're trying to orchestrate, you know, a game-ending, a game-winning drive or a game-tying drive, you're going to have to throw the ball a lot. And The 49ers just could not throw with Jimmy Garoppolo. And again, is a lot of that his fault? Yes, absolutely. But there was some other stuff going on. It seemed like uh, everything was just kind of out of whack. So um, that was tough. That was that was just – it was tough to watch. The 49ers uh, in the fourth quarter. 49ers drives in the fourth quarter. Let me get it up here for you. Uh, the 49ers in the fourth quarter went punt, punt, interception. The Rams, on the other hand, went touchdown, field goal, field goal. And that's it. And they, they won by three points. So that that's how you're doing the game. And you know what? It comes back to me with this. Is as much as I appreciate Jimmy Garoppolo, his style of play and what he brings this 49ers offense, um, you know, the margin of, of error is razor thin with him. You know, the run game has to be popping. The offense has to be well-rounded. And if those things are happening, Jimmy Garoppolo can usually make something happen. But when those things go away and when the chips are down, despite some of the last-minute drives we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo make, you know, sometimes it just seems like a bridge too far when it comes to truly slinging that ball around the field. And especially when he was moved off the pocket and forced to go on the run, that's when it seemed like things kind of unraveled for him. And uh, it was tough to watch. And then when you when you think of the inverse, you know, or think of what we've seen from the playoffs this year, you think of that Bills and Chiefs game, you think of um, the, even the, the Chiefs and Bengals game, you know, it, it always involves – Somebody making shit happen in the fourth quarter. I mean, on the opposite side of the field, Matthew Stafford in the fourth quarter putting points on the board. Two field goals and a touchdown, completing 11 of 14 of his passes for 121 yards. And and that's what it takes. That's what it takes to win at this level. And, you know, one of the most, one of the most indicting things I've seen about Jimmy Garoppolo is this tweet from Josh Dubow. Uh, I believe he writes for the Associated Press. He said, Jimmy Garoppolo went three for nine for 30 yards and an interception in the fourth quarter. In six playoff starts, Garoppolo has a 28.0 passer rating in the fourth quarter, ranking last among 69 quarterbacks, nice, with 30-plus fourth quarter passes in the playoffs since 1991. So since 1991, Jimmy Garoppolo is absolutely the worst fourth quarter quarterback out of almost 70. So, you know, that and that that is a very, very, very specific stat, obviously. It's very specific and it's pointed at one thing, but that's a pretty important thing, man. And when when the game comes down the line, um you gotta be able to make plays. And the 49ers offense as a whole and Jimmy Garoppolo himself just didn't seem up to the task. And it was tough to watch. It was a true fourth quarter meltdown for for the majority of the team. Uh let me keep rolling through my notes here. Uh, the like I said, the offensive line seemed like they were struggling. Now in the first half, they were good. I know 
somewhere around the third quarter, the 49ers hadn't given up a sack yet. And I don't even know if the 49ers technically gave one up all game. I see he didn't have one in the fourth quarter. Let me make, let me jump in here and check. Um, I don't know if the, the, the Rams defense, yeah, the Rams defense didn't get one sack, but boy, did they start getting pressure there in the fourth and things just got chaotic in a hurry. You know, shout out while I'm on the topic of the offensive line, I can't can't really get past them without giving a shout out to Trent Williams, who said after the game that he it was very very difficult to play in this game. It kind of came out that he had a uh, um, a pretty severe high ankle sprain, which could require surgery. It could definitely require surgery after he played on it today. So, uh, you know, shout out to him for making that happen. Obviously, they don't get any better than Trent Williams at that position. And the fact that he was able to get that out and get out there on that field at one point, he started getting up a little slow after he'd gone down. Uh, not not gone down as an injury, but just had had fallen down, and he was pretty slow to get up. So you know that's that's special, man. A guy putting it out there like that and risking further career injury to be out there with his team in the NFC Championship. You know that's 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 special. Uh, another thing you saw for the 49ers was they were horrible on third down. Horrible on third down. Three of nine. That's thirty three percent. You what you got to you know you really in order to be a serviceable offense you got to be over over 50%, you know, and, and then you look over at the Rams and they were 11 of 18 on third down, dicing it up. Well, I don't even know what that is. Maybe 60 something percent. Um, if I had to guess. So it, it just, the 49ers in terms of total yards, they were a hundred yards behind the Rams, 282 to 396. They ran 50 plays to the Rams, 76. Um, it just seemed like the 49ers offense was, was really running it and minimal minimal strength, minimal effectiveness is a better word throughout the game. It just felt like it was tough. You know, George Kittle ends up with two catches on the day. Both of them clutch, one of them for a touchdown. You know, you you'd like to see somebody get more involved than that. Even Debo Samuel only had four catches. So, you know, Brandon Ayuk was right with him for four catches. Elijah Mitchell had a few. Uh, the 49ers offense just wasn't able to do much. Just wasn't able to do much. Debo Samuel had the most yards with 72. So it was tough sledding for the entire unit. It it really was, and it was uh, it was tough to watch. It was tough to watch. On the other side of the ball, I think that I think that kind of sums things up there without getting again too negative about the way it is. You know, it was it was just they they struggled all all game. They struggled all game, and and everything that they got, they had to earn. You know, kudos to the Rams for really bringing it on defense and and making things tough for the 49ers because uh, that was. Obviously, you know, especially with a losing effort, but that was that seemed like the toughest, uh, most physical, dirtiest Rams game we've seen. And that's what it was going to take for them to beat the 49ers finally. You know, the 49ers, had they won this game, they would have beaten the Rams seven times in a row and three times this season, twice in their own stadium. And, and you know, that that task for any NFL team is tough. But you can tell the Rams in the way they played, they'd had it. You know, they were they were up to the task. And, you know, they throughout this conversation, you know, they deserve a lot of the credit. The Rams played a, a great brand of football, and they did exactly what they had to do to put the 49ers in a tough spot. On the defensive side of the ball, it's hard to have as many complaints. Uh, again, I point to that third quarter stat. 49ers really struggled on third down. The Rams, again, were 11 of 18. And then you look, the 49ers did okay on the ground after a really, really rough first quarter. Let me get you the specific numbers. Um, at halftime, the Rams had ran the ball 17 times for 73 yards at 4.3 yards a carry. You know, contrast that to the 49ers, who at halftime had only ran eight times for 19 yards. 
So it seemed like the Rams were primed for just a huge rushing game. And the 49ers really, really, really buttoned it down. I mean, this is a pretty wild stat here. Like I said, the Rams had rushed for 73 yards at the halftime. They ended the game with 70 yards. Oh, in, in, in rushing, they lost yardage in the second half. The 49ers absolutely stifled the Rams rushing game in the second half. Um, you know, and the 49ers defense and, and kudos to them. That's a great adjustment, you know, to actually hold them after giving up 73 in the first half to hold them to negative yardage in the second. Uh, that's that's some special stuff right there. The Rams average plummeted from 4.3 yards a carry to 2.4. That's that's good stuff. Unfortunately, that did not come with, you know, a stubbornness in the passing game. Matthew Stafford on the game was able to complete 31 of 45 passes for 68.9%, 337 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. That is slinging it. The 49ers just had no answer for Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. 11 receptions for Cup, 142 yards, nine for Odell, 113 yards, two touchdowns for Cooper Cup. Um, it, It was just... And, you know, think about it, man. We, we've kind of been talking about for this for, for weeks, the 49ers secondary surprising us with how well they're playing and how much they're stepping up. The pass rush surprising us. But it always, at least with the secondary, it felt like maybe they're getting lucky, man. The pass rush is playing well. You know, maybe, maybe it's only a matter of time. I, you know, I've, I've even tweeted this. I felt like teams that were running the ball a lot against the 49ers were doing the 49ers a favor given what they were going through in the secondary. And then obviously, you know, the Rams just turned that up to another level, just threw the ball like crazy. And that's all it took. And unfortunately, a 49ers pass rush just couldn't get home enough uh, to really keep them from doing that. They only had two sacks on the day. One and a half of those belonged to Nick Bosa, the other to Samson Medbacom. They got a handful. They got a, they got a decent amount of quarterback hits, about ten, uh, eight or nine quarterback hits. So, you know, they just weren't able to pressure Matt Stafford enough to offset that pure offensive firepower that they were throwing around. Um, and, and again, like I said earlier, the Rams just came with a great, great game plan. They came with a great game plan. They were going to throw the ball. They were going to protect Stafford, which they did well enough. They were going to throw the ball. And uh, even though, you know, they were running the ball well in the first half, which just made them an incredibly potent, well-rounded offense. But even when that thing started to tighten up in the second half, uh, you know, that's that's when they they turned it up a notch and the 49ers just couldn't couldn't respond, couldn't tighten it down. Couldn't tighten it down. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice 
the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. But, you know, and again, I said this is going to be a short pod. Uh, that's kind of how, how what you saw on the offense and defense. You know, just some other things that stood out. You know, it's it's really hard for me to criticize Kyle Shanahan's play calling because I'm not a play caller and I, I don't run an offense. I don't, you know, sometimes you're in obvious situations where you can, it's clearly a bad decision or, or a weird play call or, but it, it, you know, it, it did seem like things were a little off at times. Uh, you know, the 49ers were, were confronted with a situation where the Rams very early on had wasted all of their second half timeouts too on bad challenges. Uh, the Rams were driving down the field, their last drive of the game, um, about two minutes and 45 seconds left on the clock, and the 49ers, two minutes and 30-something seconds. And the 49ers let the Rams burn all that time without running a play all the way to the two-minute warning rather than using one of their timeouts, which would have given them more time on that uh, on that drive with the way that the 49ers buckled down and, and stopped the Rams. But at the same time, if you watch that last drive, what, what good was more time when the everything just imploded? Um, including what I believe was a, a pretty costly delay of game. So um, I'm trying to think of some of the other things. I guess you can't talk about the defense without without mentioning Jaquiski Tarts. Kwaski Tarts uh, dropped interception, you know, and and that I feel feel horrible for him. He had his press conference after the game, and he just said he felt like he had a play that he could make in his sleep that was going to change the game and might have won him the game. Um, keep in mind that the Rams only got three points off that drive. That was the drive that tied it up. So for the Rams. So, I mean, it's not like the game, even after that play happened, the game was still well within reach for the 49ers. They just had to do something with it. They had two drives after that, uh, after that missed interception. And it was cool to hear, uh, Joe Staley, obviously for 49ers, great offensive tackle came through and just said after the game on NBC sports Bay area said, look, Tart, like, you're going to think about this and you're going to think it's on you, but it's not. There were so many instances where the 49ers could have put that game away or made it a different game or, you know, altered the situation by making plays. And they didn't. They, there were opportunities all over that game. And, and obviously Staley's right. It, it didn't just come down to that moment. And that's the reason, um, you know, they lost the game. It's not, you know, was it, it would have been a huge play. Could it have, have changed the trajectory of this game? Yeah, of course it could have. But that's just not really kind of, you know, how football works. It's not – it's a culmination of many things that lead to a, the, the end result rather than just one play. And Jaquiski Tart after the game said, no excuses. I don't – I deserve all the criticism that comes my way. Opportunity I dream of came up short. Let my brothers down. Still won't define me as a person or player. Only will get stronger and better. Um, so good for Tart for just – uh, kind of embracing that and firing that tweet off just right after the game. You can tell, I mean, it's going to bug him forever, but you know, you could just tell by the way the team talked about it. Even George Kittle was like, was like, did that missed interception lose us the game? Of course it didn't. And then he immediately brought up the fact that against the Packers on that completion to Aaron Jones, uh, Jaquaski Tart coming from the opposite side of the field, running down Aaron Jones and preventing them from scoring a touchdown. And on what ended up being, um, I think that was the blocked field goal, if I'm not mistaken. At the very least, it was just a field goal, but that may have been the blocked field goal. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, 
you know, so the team just immediately came to the fence of, of Kwaski Tart, and that was such a damaging series because Tart dropped that interception. Uh, you know, even the the announcers, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, said the whole stadium fell quiet while that ball was in the air because you could just see that it was Tart's. Like there, it was underthrown by five, six, seven yards. It starts ball. he dropped it, and then on the very next play, Matthew Stafford goes deep to Odell Beckham Jr., who catches it, and then Jimmy Ward flies in and hits him in the head. And that gave them another, it was a 45 yard play. And I believe on that play is when the Rams kicked the field goal to tie the game up. Um, right. Yeah. I said that earlier. So, you know, big play, big swing in series, huge momentum change. That just tells you how committed the Rams were to slinging the rock. I mean, Matthew Stafford throws a near interception and then the very next play goes deep to Odell Beckham for what ended up being with the penalty of 45 yard play. So uh, the Rams were, were committed to slinging the football and, and they did it well. They did it well. Um, what other scenarios do do I got to bring up? You had the you had the 49ers on it, what so the 49ers hit midfield. Can't remember exactly when this when that point in the game was, but the 49ers had a fourth and two at midfield. You know, what in what seemed like a drive that could have put the Rams away, or at the very least would have made their efforts to come back difficult. Uh, the 49ers ended up punting, but even Trent Williams after the game was like, hell no, nah. I, I mean, I would have punted and, you know, pin them deep with the way the defense is playing. That's what I would have done. And, you know, unfortunately, what really was the problem were the two plays prior to that. It wasn't necessarily the not going for it on fourth and two for me. Obviously, in hindsight, it seems like they should have taken every chance they got. But at the same time, the 49ers ran two run plays and got tackled for loss on both of them, which set up the fourth and two. You know, if you're if you're going to get tackled for loss two plays in a row, you deserve to have to punt the ball. And could the 49ers have gone for it? Absolutely. Should they? I don't know, man. I, I really don't know if they should have. Um, but that was a tough series right there. And it seemed like kind of a one of those moments that, you know, we're going to look back on. And, and, you know, is is that what they should have done? It's tough. It's tough. You know, it's hard for me to just. I, without going back and watching the game to just completely tear apart these decisions without kind of just seeing how the, you know, seeing it again, seeing how the game would have unfolded. But again, like I said, Trent Williams seemed pretty adamant that, that it was the right call. Uh, and of course he's going to come to the defense of his head coach, but it, you, you'd have to just listen to the way he said it. He seemed just, uh, he seemed pretty, pretty convinced that, that that wasn't a problem. Um, so just some final thoughts. I mean, we'll be back on here. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming this later this week to uh, to kind of break down the 49ers season from a broader view. But just to kind of hit on some some things before I bounce out of here. Um, I do think everybody listening should be proud of this team. I think that you should be proud of what the 49ers accomplished that year. It was amazing to watch. You know, when you think about the season as a whole and everything this team endured to get to where they are, you know, from from go back to the beginning of the season where the 49ers had four straight losses. Go back to the beginning or toward, you know, beginning ish of the season, middle of the season where they were losing to getting thumped by Colt McCoy. You know, they were so many different low points and, and injuries and just bad news bears going on throughout the beginning part of the first half of the season. People were calling for Kyle Shanahan to be fired. Uh, people were calling for Jimmy Garoppolo to be benched and Maybe they still have a case, but at the same time, I just think that this team overcame an incredible amount of adversity, showed a lot of character, a lot of talent, a lot of grit, a lot of toughness. Uh, they, they showed a physicality for this game that, that really very, very few teams 
are able to match. And obviously the Rams stepped up today uh, in the NFC Championship game. But I, I just feel like, you know, going from three and five and then fighting your way all the way back to the NFC Championship game with road wins against the Cowboys and the Packers and Packers in Lambeau in the snow like that. This so much of what this 49ers team showed was just so, so impressive for the past few weeks. It's kind of felt like the team was playing with house money, you know, that they kind of always just had maybe a little bit of a feel of a team that was going to squeak into the playoffs, but then not really make much noise. And they came all the way to the NFC championship and lost it by three points you know, in a game that they're going to wish they had back because there were a lot of situations in that game where the 49ers could have put it away or pulled away or, you know, done this or done that. And obviously that's the hard part about losing a football game is there's so much film available and you can break down a play from multiple angles, see the mistakes you did in 4K, and and that's that's a tough thing to endure. But, again, just taking a little bit broader of a perspective, it, it's impossible not to be – not to be impressed by this team. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo said in his press conference after the game that Trent Williams, Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel uh, were all battling through injuries, pushing through injuries. George Kittle said in his press conference that he's had a lower body injury that he's been battling with all season long, you know, and, and you have to be impressed with what this team was able to fight through. Not to mention, you know, the emergence of Debo Samuel, who, uh, I posted the clip on Twitter. You know, he, there was a clip right after the game where Odell Beckham Jr. had come all the way over to the 49ers bench. Uh, Debo Samuel was obviously emotional and crying on the sideline with the towel over his head. And Odell Beckham Jr. was just in his ear. You know, you, nobody he, nobody knows what Odell said. Debo Samuel said he didn't even know and that he'd have to talk to Odell just to kind of, you know, go through that conversation again. Um, you know, those that classy from Odell, obviously to go over there and find Debo and, and try just try and talk him through that. I'm sure he sees a little bit of himself in the way Debo plays and just two, you know, superstars of the game that, you know, we've saw Odell Beckham Jr. Transcend and change the game a little bit. And Debo Samuel's doing the same thing. And again, my point being, we saw the emergence of Debo Samuel this year, who, who struggled to walk out of the stadium today without, you know, kind of collapsing in, in, in sadness. There's a video on my Twitter of him just having to stop in the tunnel because uh, and, and he's just so emotional and so upset. And it's easy to feel for him in that situation. We saw the emergence of Devo Samuel this year as a genuine, genuine I, I almost said genuine, but Patel called me on that. Apparently it's it's genuine, not genuine. Genuine was like a rap artist, right? <laughs> But I like genuine because it just sounds like you're enunciating every syllable. But we saw the emergence of Debo Samuel as a genuine, genuine, even I screwed it up right there, a genuine NFL superstar, like a superstar, like those NFL top 100s that we're about to, you know, get at the end of every season. Debo Samuel should be top 10 or 15. Easy. Just an absolute, like, pillar of the NFL offense now and and teams are going to be on the hunt for somebody that they can use like Debo that can be an excellent running back an excellent wide receiver and an an excellent quarterback (laughs) you know and watching Debo Samuel's season unfold was just something you know you don't see often somebody just truly come in and change the game like that I mean this man ended his season with 77 catches for 1400 yards 
six touchdowns, 18.2 yards a catch. I believe that leads the, the NFL. But he also had 59 carries for 365 yards and eight touchdowns. And none of that includes his stats in the playoffs. None of that does. I mean, it, that, those, that was just his regular season numbers, I believe. So be happy about the fact that, you know, the 49ers know that they didn't go to the Super Bowl, know they didn't get to win it. But, man, like, you have to be excited about the things they did. We saw the the reemergence of Trent Williams as the league's best left tackle. Not even close. Authored, one of the, authored the best season pro football focus has ever seen. You know, and then, obviously, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo who was just as much of a reason the 49ers were there as he was the reason the 49ers didn't move on to the Super Bowl. You can't the 49ers could not have gotten to where they are without Jimmy Garoppolo. Of course, there's a little bit of assuming in that could Trey Lance have come in and done the same things that Jimmy Garoppolo did or better, I don't know. Doesn't matter. But the 49, all we do know is the 49ers wouldn't have been where they were today without Jimmy Garoppolo. No matter what that is and no matter how ugly that got on the field, you have to take the uh, Bonte Hill approach that we heard a few pods ago and say, like, look, Jimmy Garoppolo came into this organization and changed it from top to the bottom. He made this franchise a winning franchise, took him to this, took him to, he has now taken them to two NFC championship games, won one, lost one, um, and has done some pretty incredible things since he, he's been there. And, you know, he played just as much of a role in the 49ers losing this game as he did winning it. But it, it, you have to also look at the person. That that locker room is 100% behind Jimmy Garoppolo, and his leadership inspired this team to do some of the things that it did. We probably just witnessed Jimmy Garoppolo's last game. Was it a pretty ending? Was it a, you know, a beautiful one? No, but, hey, even a legendary bird like a phoenix has to set itself on fire in order to be reborn. From the ashes, you know, and I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo is a Phoenix, but you just, it was the complete experience. And we've always gotten that from day one, Jimmy Garoppolo. And any given moment, Jimmy Garoppolo can play like a top 10 quarterback or he could play like a bottom 10 quarterback. And it just depends on what you're going to get. But in the end, you know, you've got a, a great person, a great leader that inspired this team and changed the organization, period. And that's not even mentioning the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo had a torn ligament in his thumb that he, even though Trey Lance was on the sideline, decided to play through despite the fact that he probably needed another three, four, or five weeks for it to heal. Uh, also had a shoulder sprain that he had to play through, and he gutted it out for this team. And that inspires confidence amongst your men. That's leading men. That's leading your team. And no, was his play on the field. Uh, always as strong as it needed to be, or was it what the team needed in that moment? Not always, but you know, there's there's two sides to every coin. You know, fitting considering how many coin tosses we had in the playoffs. But I overall, I'm, I'm I came away very very impressed with Jimmy Garoppolo as a person. Um, a little less impressed with Jimmy Garoppolo, the quarterback. But again, there's there's just so much to take in with Jimmy Garoppolo, and there's so many different things and ways of looking at it that it's hard not to just kind of just take a little bit step back, just shed yourself of of that emotion just a little bit, and you'll see somebody that put everything on the line for this team 
and changed it from top to bottom. And, and it's impossible not to respect that. It, it, it's impossible. And all you have to do is go watch Jimmy Garoppolo's press conference after this game. Um, with every question, that man was just struggling to hold it together. He was so emotional. Uh, he probably said, I love this team 10 different times. And it was just impossible not to feel for him in that moment because he knows just as well as all, all of us know that that was probably his last his last game with the San Francisco 49ers. And I believe that no matter what you feel about his play on the field, um, you should put some respect on his name and appreciate what he was able to come in and do. And, and now we'll see, we'll, we'll likely see what he's going to go and do for another team. And I, if, if that was his last game with the 49ers, I wish him nothing but the best. And he will leave here with, as as worthless as it probably is, he will leave here with with all of my respect because I think that that last couple of series, that last fourth quarter is what's going to define a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo's tenure with the 49ers, and that's not fair. Uh, he did so much more for this team than he's going to get credit for. And hopefully um, there are those of you out there that can still realize that, you know, and again – was it always what it needed to be? Absolutely not. And that's fair. But that man changed this team, and he will forever be – he should forever be seen as one of the San Francisco 49ers greats. I really do believe that. I really do believe that. And I've always tried to keep it with one, keep it 100 with Jimmy Garoppolo and, and what he does and doesn't do. But the one thing he did do is, is change his team for the better. And, um, again, just go watch that press conference, and you can tell what this team and what that moment meant to Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you if you're still not sold, then watch the other press conferences um, for the players when they're asked about Jimmy Garoppolo and and what he means to that team. And you know it's it's special. It was special to watch, and I definitely appreciate it. Just from a pure football leadership person, people standpoint, however you want to word that, um, I, I really did enjoy Jimmy Garoppolo's tenure with the 49ers and. It, it, you never know. Could not be over, but it, at the at the same time, it seems like it is, and and it's Trey Lance moving forward, which is exciting in the rest. But um, overall, a tough loss for the 49ers. You know, it was a tough loss. It was hard fought. The Rams earned every bit of it, and um, you know, it, it didn't really seem like there was there was a whole lot to put on any one person or any one event or any one occurrence. Uh, the Rams just uh, uh, today in their in their home stadium, and even that's worth mentioning. Uh, so much was made throughout the week about the 49ers taking over the Rams stadium. Uh, it seemed like it was right around fifty fifty, and and the that that stadium was loud no matter what offense was on the field, and and you got to respect that 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 those fans doing what they can to keep from being overran by the faithful, which uh, is is impressive in its own right. But kind of just perusing through my notes, making sure I didn't. Didn't leave anything else out that's just truly important. You know, and I don't want any egregious misses here. But, uh, again, hard-fought loss for the 49ers, uh, putting it into an absolutely incredible season that, for for me and myself, I am, I am so impressed by. Uh, it just – this team just shows a lot of character, a lot of quality that you just absolutely have to have in a winning team. And uh, if, if Trey Lance hits the ground running and, and he comes in here and he develops into the quarterback. The 49ers hope they can uh, that he can be become. Then the future's bright. You know, there's going to be a lot of crazy shit going on um, with with Trey Lance, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk all in the same offense. So I'm looking forward to that, man. I'm looking forward to that. Like I said, man, it is 
I don't want to hate on anything that happened. I felt like it was a great game. I felt like the 49ers showed that they are a great team. They are legit, and I expect them to compete next year. And obviously, I'd be remiss if I didn't think, um, not that this is a send-off or anything, because we pod 365 uh, around here, but um, I really, really do appreciate everybody who um, who has stuck with the Striking Gold podcast through multiple co-hosts, uh, stuck with me. Um, and, and just made this podcast was it is. I I've just grown to co-host or no co-host. I've just grown to love jumping on here after every game, uh, before every game and, uh, jumping on here and talking 49ers footballs to you guys. So uh, I appreciate you guys for making this podcast what it is. It really is entirely up to you. I say it all the time, but I'm going to keep saying it because, uh, I'm never going to forget it. I appreciate you guys for making this podcast a success and, uh, man, one hell of a season, <laughs> one hell of a season. What a ride. And, um, you know, every week I jumped on here after, you know, especially when we got into the playoffs, every week I got on here and I was like, man, we are still here. And it was always just so exciting just to be able to jump back on here and be positive, be elated. And obviously I can't necessarily do that today, but you, you can pick and choose what you want to be positive about. And yeah, it sucks the 49ers aren't going to be going to the big game. But at the same time, just think about that season, folks, and think about what this team showed you. There's a, a lot of uh, a lot of real life people on that field putting their their minds and their bodies and their souls on the line uh, to uh, to bring you what you saw this season and try to respect it, try and enjoy it, try and take it for what it was, uh, try and be uh, positive about it. That's not to say you need to be ignorant and forget the bad things that happened. Or, but in the end, it's a game, and, and these guys really do. It's their heart and soul. And it was easy to see that from these 49ers. It was easy to see that they are out there for each other. Uh, they love this game. The coaches love this game. The coaches done a good job coaching players up and cultivating a, a, a mindset that just seems to be insanely stubborn and uh, and physical and hard-nosed. And, and those are all qualities that you just love to see in a football team. It's incredibly entertaining to watch. And, uh, you know, that's that's what I'm taking from this season. It's not that it's not the what, what could have been. It's the, the what we had and what we got to see. Uh, that's – it was – man, that was a fun season. I can't wait to kind of go back and – watch sporadic little highlights from the wins and losses just to remember how it all unfolded because I feel like when I do that I will uh, appreciate how far they got that much more and then hey this is the NFL baby Super Bowl's in two weeks and once that's over with it's on to next season you got the draft coming up uh you know you got the combine you got the draft you got free agency you got all this stuff that the NFL does a good job keeping it rolling and before you know it the 49ers are going to be back out there um, during the off-season program, during training camp, Trey Lance is going to be running out there making highlights, and and uh, you know it's going to be exciting. A lot of lot of awesome stuff to look forward to. Uh, in the meantime, pay Debo Samuel, do that thing. Seems smart. Um, just to repeat myself, thank you everybody out there listening. I appreciate you. Thank you for sticking with this podcast all season long. One hell of a season, a long season, one that we uh, were lucky to have. You know, in the end, there were only four teams left. 28 of them were at home watching the games and the 49ers were one of them out there on the field and and you got to respect that so hey like i started out with the uh with the pod all good things have to come to an end um i plan on getting back to you guys a little later this week and we'll talk a little bit more about the season as a whole maybe give out some 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 make-believe striking gold awards or something i appreciate you guys thank you for listening to striking gold uh i'm rob and for another episode we are signing up
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.